Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone listening. Uh, I have a special guest on today. We have Devorah on the podcast, which is a little interesting. She's firstly known as the the throat chakra queen on instagram which i have to ask her about and then she's also a therapeutic therapeutic voice worker and empowerment coach and then she's also a member in my group coaching program and she's been through her own bleeding recovery journey uh we met about a year ago i believe right over a year ago now i think it was like closer to three at this point two two and change Really? So we met in yeah. 2020. I thought it was 21, but my memory is kind of failing me now. Maybe, but definitely yeah. like at least two, two years. I've gone through several moves. So yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Um, yeah. And we were just talking about our different moves. Uh, you lived in Hawaii for 10 years, which is pretty cool too. So anyone out there yeah. from Hawaii, hello, shout out. Um, <laughs> but Devora, firstly, just introduce yourself. Tell us hi. Hi, hi. Hi, everybody. Everyone listening to Jacqueline, who is um, so wonderful um, and does such good work. Um, My name is Devorah. I am uh, by trade a music therapist and a singer and a songwriter. And I do something now called therapeutic voice work, which um, I created, although I'm not the only person to use the voice as a transformational tool. Um, And I have been recovered from bulimia slash in recovery um for a little while now but it wasn't that long long ago that I was still in it it kind of would creep up you know kind of pop in every few years so I'm sure we'll I'll share more about that but now that I'm on the other side of it for really the first major time in my life I'm finding how how limited and restrictive um my vision was then and how much more open and abundant it is now so now I devote my life to helping other people open up their abundance mindset too. Yeah. Yeah. It It's crazy when you're <laughs> in bulimia, how limited it is. But then when you get out, you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot more to life. And not that people with bulimia can't have full lives too, but I feel like right. it just puts a, such a damper on it. So tell me, I don't know as much about it. What is therapeutic, therapeutic voice work? Tell us about that. Because I'm not as informed as I should be on it. Well, I don't think anyone is because I think I made up the term. I think I coined okay. the term, cool. <laughs> but it, it, it dropped into my head and I don't take ownership of it because I feel like other people are doing their version of it. But really um, what I found, so in my own journey, separate and connected to bulimia, I feel like I haven't hadn't spoken up very much in my life. Like looking back, I was a very quiet girl and I closed my mouth. Um, and when I first started to sing more and share my music more, because I'm a pianist and a singer, but um, when I first started to do it more just in my early 20s, really, 
I noticed that I didn't want anyone to hear me yet. I had all this like really big passion and talent in my heart and in my voice. And like, I was just, I didn't want anyone to hear me. Um, and then I was always interested in the voice and what that meant. And your, you know, the voices in your head, your inner voice, expressing yourself. Um, and I started working with a woman who does her version of voice work, but she calls it something else. Um, and I forgot her name now. It's been a while. Um, but uh, with her, look and her up, right? I do, I do, because I would want to give her a shout out. It was just for a brief while, but I worked with a few different women doing their version of what I do. Um, there's also a whole, um, uh, there's a whole profession called uh, voice movement therapy, which is also maybe the most, you know, the, uh, the, the one that's like a more established field of using the voice as a therapeutic tool, but a lot of people are doing it. So anyways, when I started playing with my voice organically with the help of a few of these women, I noticed the same thing. I didn't want anyone to hear me. And I was restricting literally like the volume and the tone and the breadth of my voice. And then that just um, launched me into thinking about how it affects my life. And then I got this sort of download to do my version of it. So what therapeutic voice work is for me is I actually connect people with their voice inside their body, just like breathing in, feeling your voice inside you, breathing out, feeling your voice coming out of you. And mm -hmm. what ends up happening is the voice ends up being like a flashlight to what's going on inside. So what you're feeling, what you're thinking, memories, um, a lot of things come up more clearly, at least the way I do it. I think it's because it's my unique medicine. You know, it's like mm -hmm. my my talent, and what I like to do. So maybe that's why it's so potent. Um, so first and foremost, foremost, it's about that. It's using it as this kind of radical self-awareness tool. And then what ends up happening because it's a voice space is that we're looking at where you're not listening to yourself. And that's really the first step of the work I do. It's like, where are, are you not listening to yourself? What wants to be heard? What emotions want to be felt? What have you been suppressing? You know, what needs some love? And then we go from there. Interesting. There's so much you said there that was like, first of all, when you're like feeling the breath come in and then out, I even like took a breath with you and I was like, oh, wow, that <laughs> feels really nice. You know, I, whenever I'm speaking too publicly, I tend to like be more short of breath and stuff like that and just... Yeah, taking time with that it really helps but what you said playing with your voice that's something I never really thought about before but I can see it could be very very powerful and then also what you said about yeah. not being heard and controlling the volume of your voice controlling how you were speaking and of course we all do that to some degree but maybe to an excessive amount where do you think that was coming from why do you think you were doing that yeah. And I'm even kind of doing it now, but the little, in little ways, it's not a big deal. You know, we all do it. We get nervous, whatever. We don't breathe. Um, um, but I'm talking about like shining our light, like showing what I know, like expressing my truth, being of service, which is what I'm stepping into now. And to answer your question and seeing that as I get more passionate, my voice is actually getting fuller. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, with uh, I think it came from a patterning in my family system that included me not speaking up or expressing myself in a way that felt safe. Um, so I've done a lot of healing work around me and my mama, and I'm sure a lot of people can resonate. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've come to a place where I don't blame her um, anymore. But 
the patterns are still there. Like when I'm almost 40 now, when I go home, it's still the same. I just accept it now. And it's that when I speak up, I get spoken over, kind of pummeled, and that my subtler feelings um, get noticed and they never did. And so, um, you know, that leads to so many things in childhood, like you start to uh, retreat and deal with your feelings on your own privately. Um, you start to maybe feel ashamed of your feelings, which I think is related to my bulimia journey. Um, mm -hmm. And there's just no safe, easy, comfortable way for me to share how I felt, have it be heard, have it be allowed. Um, and so there, you know, therein is one of the, it's like the genesis of restriction, you know, because you have to restrict how you feel and restrict what you share and restrict what you express. And um, meanwhile, my biggest gift to the world is to express myself fully. And I, I think that's the case for everyone in their own way. So I hope that answers your question. No, I think it was open to a lot of cool things. Um, and <laughs> part of it was like, you know, just flowing conversation. But yeah, I, sharing your voice and speaking, it's such a fundamental, it's a, it's a way we communicate. It's the way we first communicated, right? I mean, I, I bet we yeah. first communicate with like body language, but speaking is something that's very unique to us as humans. And when you're limiting that, you feel like you can't share safely. It does affect you in so many ways. And I do agree with you, yeah. what you said about how with your bulimia, there could have been shame with feelings, shame with not speaking. I would I would place a firm bet that that had a contribution yeah. to your bulimia. Um, wh what do you think? Like, what was your, briefly, I know it's hard to get into, what was kind of your bulimia story like? How did that happen for you? Yeah. So I only first, I only started acknowledging that it was even a problem about three years ago. Um, maybe it was like two that I first, maybe it was like two years that I contacted you, but around two, three years ago. And, um, but it had been going on, on and off was my story for like almost 20 years. And so I think like it started more with like normal, like restriction. I, when I was 14, I remember I lost a bunch of weight and mostly I was just kind of fanatical about eating lightly and exercising. And I kind of passed for being fit. Like no one thought I, I wasn't, I wasn't really that unhealthy, but I definitely was restricting, but it wasn't intensive, you know? And then eventually I, I think it was like 18 or 21 was when I first purged. I don't remember exactly when I wish I could remember. I wish someone could just like show me that memory um, because that would be really interesting. And just like so many of us, it was really it was really easy to do. Um, and I feel like it was in some ways an evolution because I wasn't willing to restrict so much anymore because I wanted to give myself stuff because I'm like, I like to eat. But then that led into um, purging sometimes. And it wouldn't happen for very long, right? Like it would happen for a few days. It would go away for a few months. It'd come back for a couple of weeks. It'd go away for three years. It'd come, you know, so I never really looked at it as a problem because it was mm -hmm. so sporadic. Um, I think at one point it was gone for like six years. Like it was gone for a long oh, time wow. and yeah, but then it would come back and I'd be older than it. And I'd be kind of thinking like, why is this still happening? But kind of denying that it's a problem, you know, denial is such a big part of it, of any quote unquote addiction. You know, you're, it's, I think it sounds to, it really goes back to denying a feeling you're feeling and not being able to feel it, but then it, it kind of shows itself as denying the behavior. So that was my story. And eventually I contacted you because I'm like, this is a problem. And I did like your three, um, <laughs> I think I did your your three session package, the, the one you yeah. offer just once. 
And I was like, oh, I got this. I got this under control. And then I stopped working with you and I relapsed like a few times. Um, and then like not too long ago, I joined your group co uh, coaching program. And that's when I kicked the habit forever. That's awesome. Yeah. It's funny you say that about the three coaching package. I don't offer that anymore just because I know okay. people... People just, they need to be committed to the whole process, like the long-term haul. But it, I did offer it just for like people, maybe if it was more affordable or people weren't sure, but yeah, now I don't even do that anymore. Like you got to commit. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, yeah. firstly, that you say with the six years, like going on and off, I'm glad that you say that because a lot of people fall under that umbrella where they're not constantly going through the binging and purging craze. Yeah. And they will just have periods of abstinence and then they think, oh, it's not a problem. So whatever. Um, or, or they just don't think about it and then they can move on. And then because they think it's not a problem, they never necessarily seek help. Why do you think yeah. it would come and go for you? What do you think that was about? Uh, why did it come and go for me? I mean, the arrogant answer is like, I feel like, oh, I had a handle on it. Um, and in some ways I did, like there's, I did have a lot of willpower too. And, um, I did have a lot of other coping mechanisms in place. Um, and I did have a lot of like inspiration and motivation in life. So I think that was part of it that like, I didn't always need it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's when moments hit the fan for me, when things, when my, you know, deepest wounds were hit, and I couldn't handle it anymore. And I didn't have a coping strategy and place in me that was dark, you know, a place in me I wasn't looking at yet. Because as, as people know, as they recover, you uncover more and more <laughs> mm -hmm. feelings and thoughts that need to be looked at and overturned. And until you kind of kick the uh, initial behavior, you don't really see what's underneath. At least that's what I've noticed. Um, so I think it's when it hit a dark spot in me that I wasn't, you know, what I realize is we're both, um, all of us are kind of this combination of being a really, really wise eternal soul and a human that's fallible and emotional and has had trauma and lots of weird restrictive uh, experiences. And I think sometimes I was able to act from that wise part and sometimes I couldn't. And I don't think, I think I was in denial of the human part of me is, um, you know, and that's really good. denial yeah. of the human part of me. I like that a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, no, yeah, I, I agree with your synopsis. Like when it hits the deepest parts of you and that's often like, I, I don't think your initial answer was arrogant either of being like, I had thought yeah. I had it under control and in some ways you did. Absolutely. Yeah. But then sometimes when shit hits the fan, basically, then it really uncovers a lot about you. And sometimes you don't want to deal with that or you don't know how to deal with that. So then you can turn to behaviors or they, they just kind of come in. It's not even like you have, I'm sure sometimes you didn't even have this big thought process. It's just suddenly you were doing those behaviors without really thinking about it. Yeah. And what you just said about how it uncovers more about you, that's so key because at some point, I love that now. Like I want to go deeper now and I want to uncover things about me because the more I uncover, the more open I am to like a wider space in my life that can be full with really yummy, lovely feelings. But when we're not willing, <laughs> but when we're not willing to go there and for good reason, because it was always probably really scary or, you know, space wasn't held for us to look at it in the first place. And then, you know, we don't know how to do it by ourselves for a while. Like, but then it, it just limits limits what we can be, you know?
Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I wish people didn't have to go through pain to grow and learn. But I find that yeah. some of the worst moments in my life have been the most transformative. And it just, it sucks. It really does. Like you don't want to go through those things, but at the same time, they really shape you. They help you. And then they, uh, one of my clients also said that they're definitely kind of bringing up your ick, basically something oh. inside you that needs to be dealt with, or, or at least considered looked at, heard, like you've been saying, and yeah. that's where you can grow and understand yourself more fully. And then, like you said, be more, be with, you know, yummy feelings or sour <laughs> ones. Yeah, all of them. But the more that we're able to tolerate and hold the feelings and feel them and let them move, the more we can allow for all the feelings, including the really good ones. So it's like we have to be willing to feel all of them to some degree. Mm -hmm. Well, would you say that has been that's been crucial to your recovery this time around, just kind of like being open to feeling it instead of just trying to suppress it and only use willpower? Yes. So um, I feel like we get initiated when we're recovering, especially when we're about to hit a turning point and like the, it might look like, a you know, an urge or the thoughts come flooding back into purge. Um, now I'm rhyming, um, but like something, right? Like you're kind of recovered, you kind of have it under, not under control is not a great phrase, but like you kind of have been able to feel the feelings and not act on the behaviors, but then it, 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 there's a couple challenging points. And really my recovery got solidified when I was able to mat, like feel the feelings, the discomfort of wanting to purge and deciding, no, I care more about what's on the other side of this, which is something I've heard you say several times like what if you knew that on the other side of these behaviors was the life you wanted like you know mm -hmm. more abundance more freedom whatever would you be more interested to stay the course and eventually that thought took hold and I was like let's see what's on the other side of this and being able to to just handle and feel the discomfort and live through it and not have it break me I mean it made me so much stronger so that made me more open to feeling everything and yeah and I want to see where I'm projecting ish, you know things on people now like I, I want to look mm -hmm. at you know where I'm and it's kind of easy to tell because you're being judgmental <laughs> like and, huh. and like right like and, mm -hmm. and that's what bulimia is all about self-criticism and judgment but also criticism and judgment of others so like either way like if you're feeling a judgment on yourself or on others there's probably projection happening and there's probably limitation happening. And if you're not willing to like own that, then I mean, what can you do? <laughs> you have to yeah. A uh, funny side note that's not related, but kind of related. So <laughs> the trashy, the trashy TV show my boyfriend likes to binge watch is Love Island. And like right in Love Island, Australia, usually, but their season isn't out. So right now we're watching the last latest season of Love Island UK. But the show is just it's silly and part of the point of the show is just to like watch it and get triggered by people and what they're doing you're like <laughs> they're like they're being ridiculous but I was thinking that the night when this one girl is doing these ridiculous things and like she's just her behavior is to me intolerable but then I was like I think her behavior to me is intolerable because it reminds me of myself <laughs> and I yeah. think I'm like 
rejecting that judgment on her like how could she do that and it's like Jacqueline you totally do that if you were in her situation you know so I completely agree with you about the projecting thing it is a real thing that we all do all the time but when you can kind of notice that and then reflect back towards yourself you learn a lot oh my god it's it's always a one-to-one factor like if you're judging someone on something you you do something similar but it might look different um the work the work of um Byron Katie is really good for that have you heard of her Yes, Byron Katie is everything. Okay. Yes, everything as she is. She just kind of breaks it down, like when you're judging someone and how to turn it around and notice how you're doing it yourself. And it's not about judgment. It's actually about self-compassion and, you know, loving yourself. Curiosity, right? Like wondering what it is instead of, instead of like you've been saying this whole time, just kind of like shoving it away and not looking at it or making it seem bad. And also sometimes when you're projecting on people it could be that they're they're just they're doing something that you that is in disagreement with what you hold dear so it can really say a lot Mm -hmm. about your values too but also something else you said which was Mm -hmm. it took a while for that thought to take hold and I know it wasn't the main point of your conversation but Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you said it because sometimes when you first hear things the concepts don't stick but then mm-hmm. after you finally give it a chance and then you practice it and then you, like you said, you go through an urge, you see that you survive it, that sort of stuff. Then I feel like it starts to become more and more true to you. So I'm glad that over time that helped you and you kind of gave it a chance and that it worked for you. Thank you. I'm glad that you would say that, you know, like, I know, like you always say that it's just a behavior and you know, no shame, like, but it's also important to know, like, listen, there's there's more for you here. What if you could do it? What if there's more on the other side of this? So I think it's hearing it was hearing you say it that helped me. Yeah, probably like a million different times in a million different ways. But yeah. Um yeah, that's why to. like yeah, why repeating things is helpful. Yeah. So tell me, um, with with uh you said it was voice therapy or voice work. I want to make sure I'm getting the term correctly. I call it voice work, sometimes therapeutic voice work, sometimes transformative voice work. Okay. Yeah. So do you feel like that's helped you in your recovery at all? The tools that you use in that with bulimia? Sharing it and promoting it and doing my, my work with other people is what's helping me with my bulimia because, um, I know, I know it's not exciting Mm -hmm. because it's my love. It's my truth. It's all my talent and all my gifts and everything I love and what I love, like all my talents revolve around sound, music, voice, and hearing for some reason. And if, and part of um, my, you know, issues in life with not feeling like I'm fully expressed and fully happy and fully fulfilled is because I haven't been sharing them. And what I realize Mm -hmm. is that it's, I know. And it's more than just, I mean, for me, the the biggest thing is I love sharing my songs. I love sharing music. And I also create custom songs for people as transformational tools. It's like a side thing I do, but there's so much more to it. Thank you. But there's so much more, like it's a whole world. So now I've created this program where I do this thing I call therapeutic voice work and, you know, empowerment coaching, but it's like my own, my own thing, my own way of helping people with all my unique gifts and talents. And like what I, what I ultimately want to help people with is to embrace their version of that. Like, what are your gifts? What do you want to share with the world? What is your message? And that's really what I mean by voice, like in the bigger sense and doing that. I mean, that's so fulfilling. And I, and I feel like we hold that back and it might be partially because 
those talents and gifts weren't really noticed when we were little, or at least that's our remembrance of it. You can't, we can't really know what other people were, were, you know, but like, um, but you know, that was the past and now you have this chance. And I think we're all here to, to share our, our medicine, you know, to help people the way we're meant to help people. Yeah. I like your term that you used earlier, uh, earlier of, um, your unique medicine that you have. Yeah. Um, cause I feel like we all offer it because a lot of us aren't doing things that are necessarily, some people coin different terms, but I thought even when I was promoting the pause method, that it was like just something that I had developed uniquely for bulimia. And then I saw other people mention it. And I'm like, Oh, this is a thing. Like this is a thing people know, but the way we phrase it and the way we uniquely have a perspective on it really is what the world like specific people need to hear your unique message because you're going to say it in a way that no one uh, else describes it as which is something that's helped me a lot perfectly stated and that's why i was i wanted to say that's why i was healed by you i mean our bodies are, are healers but that's why i was helped by you jacqueline because you say it in your own voice and your own tone and it did sound like you created the pause method and it sounds like i created therapeutic voice work but it's the same thing it's like no these are like things, these are universal tools available to everyone. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I know what, you, what you're talking about. It's they're, they're, you're phrasing it in a way that makes sense to unique people out there that are similar to you. Kind of like with, um, I'm yeah. sure you've heard of Brooke Castillo, but she has the, the model, right? In her life coaching school. And it is, yeah. I'm not trying to diss it at all. It is a brilliant way to lay out basic concepts in cognitive behavioral therapy, but a very clear <laughs> concise way that people understand much more deeply than maybe when you say cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's amazing. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about what you were discussing, fulfillment is the key word that keep coming to mind. And like you said, helping others is helping me, or you said something similar to that. Yeah. And I think that's so true. Like the work that I do also helps me stay in recovery and like yeah. continuing working with people, but not just because I'm helping people specifically with bulimia, but because I'm moving on in some way and I feel purpose. I feel fulfillment. I feel good. And I think a lot of people after bulimia recovery or when they're in the midst of recovery, they suddenly get this gap in time and this space, and then they don't know what to do with it. And they're kind of like, I feel lost. Maybe they get unsettled by not knowing what they want to do. They feel a lack of fulfillment and that can sometimes lead them back into bulimia. So it's not that you oh, have yeah. to have this grand purpose, but I think finding something that gives you fulfillment after bulimia is crucial to towards continuous long-term recovery. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what you found to do, obviously. Um, when it comes to like, we've talked on the sidelines about this, but I know you're creating something or you are offering something that's amazing. It's called the abundance after bulimia program. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. So I already offer a three month program that I just call therapeutic voice work plus empowerment coaching. Sometimes, sometimes I call it heart healing plus voice empowerment. I call it different things. It, it's evolving, but I'm going to offer a version of it that I will now call abundance after bulimia specifically for individuals, not necessarily that had bulimia, um, but that one way or another are not in the throes of an eating disorder anymore. Maybe never had a full on eating disorder because, you know, mine was never diagnosed either. Um, but, you know, you resonate with what, what we're talking about here on this podcast, like it's, um, you know, uh, disorder, some kind of disordered eating or distorted body image, self-image, restrictive thoughts, limitation, things like that. And 
if you're not in the throes of it anymore, of the behaviors, and you're ready to look deeper at the more insidious thoughts, the critical thoughts, the judgments, the projections, the limitations, and like look at what you really want to create in this life, and also how you want to share and express yourself and what gifts you have to share, even if you have no idea or you kind of have an idea, but you haven't given yourself permission or allowance to do it. My with abundance after bulimia is like let's reclaim that abundance after living a life of pretty restrictive thoughts and feelings um so it's a combination of the therapeutic voice work to you know feel more feelings have it be held and contained uh, with my support and you learning to do that um unblocking suppressed emotions is a big part of therapeutic voice work that just seems to happen people often cry or you know, come upon a memory that they haven't looked at forever. And then, you know, they process some grief or something. And then using it, like I said, as a flashlight on your thoughts and feelings, but combining it with looking at where do you, what do you want to do in this world? <laughs> where do you want to be? What do you want to share? Um, we kind of look out a year ahead and then I work with you three months at a time to get you there. And we work on manifestation skills as well, which is all about keeping a certain vision and staying true to it. And, um, you know, staying on the top half of the, of the emotional scale in terms of feeling faith and positivity. Hmm. Well, that sounds really interesting and really like yeah. thorough on all the things. I love that it's about also <laughs> yeah. finding, finding your life after some sort of restrictive disorder and like being kind yeah. of in this thing. So people feel really lost. There's two things. One, you said like people, even if you don't know, it's okay. How do people go about finding what they're supposed to do or what they want to do afterwards when they don't know. Cause I find that freaks people out sometimes when they just don't know, they want to like run straight back to their eating disorder. They just feel so much shame for not knowing what they want to do. So what, I don't know, what advice would you offer to those people? Yeah. Well, first of all, there's clues everywhere. All your natural gifts and talents. Like, okay. So my thing is I can hear really well. I don't actually hear actual words and sounds that well, but I hear subtle information very well. Like you can talk to me and I can hear your emotions. I can kind of tell where you're not letting yourself feel something. Like it's kind of this weird little talent. So start to notice what weird little talents you have. They're often intuitive gifts, kind of like psychic gifts or something that's like not usually taught in school. Just like notice that you've been noticing it your whole life. You already know it. It brings you this weird sense of joy. Um, so that's a good place to start. And then the work I do with the voice is all about that because it's about listening to what's going on inside. Um, and you probably know, and maybe just haven't been letting yourself look at it. So getting into a meditative space, asking yourself, you know, you could just even ask yourself, what gifts do I have to share with the world? And then you can do some automatic writing and see what comes up. Just start to get curious about it because it's in there and on some level you have all the clues. Yeah, I love that. On some level you have all the clues and also the writing about just like, what are you good at? Your new unique, when you started saying that, I was like, what are my unique little talents? I was just thinking <laughs> in my head. Um, I love that you picked up on yourself too, that like I hear really well, not necessarily sounds or words, but the little subtle things that are going on, which I would agree with. Um, the other thing you said was about unlocking emotions. How yes. does one go about doing that? And when you unlock an emotion and you're kind of overwhelmed, what do you do? Yeah, I know. I mean, if you can, I would find people, helpers in your life that are meant 
to hold that space for you if you can. Of course, you can't have someone there 24-7. Although in my coaching program, you have 24-7 access to me. Um, <laughs> most coaches do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Most coaches do that now or, you know, Monday through Friday. But some, okay, so I feel like if we didn't grow up in an environment where space was held for us to feel what we're feeling and to express it openly, then we grew up believing we can't hold it for ourselves even though we can. And one bridge to that is to find someone who can hold it for you. So that can be anything you want, some kind of healer, energy worker, coach, counselor, therapist. So I would find assistance so that you can see what it feels like and um, have it be your intention and you could share it with the person who's helping you that you wanna feel what you're feeling and let the emotions flow and find someone that that's what they do, that they can hold that space for you. Yeah, that was a really good answer. Um, It also made me think of, you know, what we do when we work with people. It really is a sacred practice, right? Of people coming to you and from the outside, it just looks like, oh, you're paying this person to talk to you. But no, like you're, you're working with this person. There's a space that you're coming into where that person is supposed to just without falter basically hold space without judgment make it safe make sure that your emotions can be seen and heard without attacking you or anything like that and even if you're holding a completely safe space for this person that client or whatever may have never experienced that before so it's hard for them to open up but the act of you opening up to a person even though it's a professional relationship it teaches you, oh, this is how I can communicate my feelings to someone. This is how I can talk about these things. I mean, you can say it in therapy or coaching or uh, counseling or with a friend, you can start to be able to say it in other places and start to be able to experience it elsewhere. So there's, yeah, I agree with you there. That's really sweet and insightful Um, work you and I do and coaches like, like us, it is, you know, the people coming into our space, we're energetically connected and we're sort they're sort of under our wing and um it is meant to be a, a new normal of feeling safe to share and feel and express and you do need a little bit of time with that sometimes which i think is why a lot of coaching programs are more than you know it's not one session it's like a three-month container or whatever the yeah. case may be yeah yeah i used to do three month coaching too but now i just like it's strictly six months and that's just because i know Ah. you need time and even if they don't need that full time what's helpful about it is that they are patient with themselves and they're going with the expectation that it's going to take time so there's not they're not rushing it and then they're able to just kind of breathe and take things at their own pace so yeah i would agree that's why people offer longer programs yeah, and I think I will too in the future, but right now it's yeah. just three months at a time. Yeah. Yeah, that's just I mean, three months is good too. That's a decent amount of time <laughs> for sure. Um okay, well, I know that you have limited time. So when it comes to like going back to believe me a little bit, I always like to yeah. ask people at the end of my podcast, uh, what advice would you give to someone out there struggling right now? <sighs> Even though it's a very private sort of shameful affliction, like it's not very public or or social, that's part of the the issue really. So if you're able and willing to share it with somebody, even though that sounds really, that might sound really scary and kind of seems like it goes against what you think will help um, or that it'll be even more shaming. That was a turning point for me was when I shared it 
uh, like the day after with someone I was dating and I, I never purged again after that. I mean, it all kind of, and not that that was the only reason that I stopped. There was a few different things that were going on, but part of it included me deciding I don't need to hide this away anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't need to do that everywhere with everyone. You shouldn't. In fact, you, you're probably going to go on a journey where you start to balance out where you share and where you don't, what you keep sacred and what you can share. It's it's a little kind of messed up and confused, I think, with people who are struggling with this because like we don't know what to what what to hold, um, like what we feel ashamed about and what we hold sacred is two completely different vibrations, but we get them confused. So I think if you're willing to speak up with someone you trust about the truth about what you're experiencing, it's a good place to start. It could be a turning point. Yeah, that's golden advice. And I'm really glad you said that because I always promote it and I promote it to the point where I think people are like, yeah, Jacqueline, no, you got to tell someone, but it really does for you when you tell someone you trust someone that's going to, again, hold space for you, that sort of stuff. It Mm-hmm. seems to make a big difference. And of course, like you said, you shouldn't tell everyone. You should make sure you know who you're like, make sure whoever you're going to tell is going to respect that truth, right? And yeah. hold it in a way that's not going to harm you. But I think there's something when you when you tell people about your dirtiest laundry or what you view to be your dirtiest laundry, it's kind of like you're owning yourself and you're just being like, here's my shit take it or leave it. I love myself. And then you're also able to see the person's reflections. And then most of the time that they're a really kind person and they're able to have emotional intelligence, then they're not going to freak out. And then they're going to have this reflection of like, everything's okay. And then your brain's like, you're right. Everything is okay. So it's Aww. just, it helps in a lot of ways. I also think back to um my journey and I know not everyone wants to start a podcast about bulimia recovery, but well, I didn't know this, but when I started the podcast and when I posted on Facebook to all my families and friend, family and friends that I had had bulimia, all this stuff, no one really knew. It was one of the most freeing things I ever did. I was just like, this is awesome. Like it's all out in the, the air or all out in the open. I don't have to worry about this anymore. And this is me. And if people don't like it, screw it. And so it was just kind of like, it boosted my confidence so much and it let go of a chip on my shoulder I didn't realize that I had. So um, yeah, I would agree with your statement, basically. Yeah, I'm experiencing that now. Like even doing this podcast, I think this is the first public time I'm really sharing about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, because because then you you give yourself permission to share all the other things too. It's about being able to share all of it, you know, whatever you choose. Yeah, it's like dominoes, right? You put that one over and then the other ones can go. But unlike dominoes you can stop it if you want to you can it doesn't have to be all of them right right Mm -hmm. but there's no restriction you get to choose you don't have to hold anything back you can choose to keep something sacred or private yeah yeah that's key it's not like you feel like you're forced into it because it's not safe or that you are going to be judged yeah yeah well this has been a lot of insight Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you if they want to um, look into what you have to offer? Thank you, Jacqueline. You've been priceless to me. I appreciate you so much. And uh, people can find me. I'm on Instagram. I'm the throat shocker queen. So it's uh, with dots in between each word, the throat chakra, because everything I do is about voice and self-expression and mm-hmm. creativity and, and artistry. 
um, on, you can find me on Facebook too, just my name, Devorah Kalma. I believe I'm going to have another, I had, I recently had a really successful free three-day event, and I think I'm going to do it again, and it might come out in time when this airs. I, it's going to be December 13th, 14th, and 15th. The time is to be determined, but it's going to be called um, Empower Your Inner Voice, How to Hear, Speak, and Create with Your True Heart's Desire. And I take you through a little healing transformational journey to connect with your voice inside, look at what you really want, start to look at how you think and talk and, and so that you can create the life that you want. Um, so look out for that. Connect with me on Instagram or Facebook and links. You know, I have my like link tree and bio, all that. That sounds really cool. If it's on the 13th, 14th and 15th, we'll just release the podcast around that. So it can line up if that's what it's going to be. Okay, yeah, I was trying to do it. I'm like, because you said it would take a few weeks, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that will work out perfectly. But, um, oh no, my. sometimes when notifications come up in your phone, then you just completely lose your train of thought. I, I try to yeah. turn on silent, but then it comes up and you're like, <laughs> what am I doing? But anyway, no, thank you for being on the podcast today, Devorah. I really appreciate it. I think you've shared a lot of wisdom and insight here. And I love your unique approach to the work that you're doing. It's I, I obviously am not as well informed in the area, but it's unlike anything I've heard before. So I think it's going to help a lot of people. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I just, I can't thank you enough. You've been priceless. Thanks for the work you do. Thank you. All right. Bye everyone listening. Aloha.